Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. This morning, we're greeted by friend of the show, Robert Sinclair. He, of course, is the senior manager for public affairs at AAA Northeast. He always has a ton of great information. So I suggest you be prepared whenever that information comes out during our hour with you this morning. You're ready to go. So perhaps you're preparing, you know, for a nice Sunday breakfast. Maybe you're chilling on a Sunday morning. Perhaps you're preparing for a virtual sunrise service or maybe you're hitting the road for an early run. It's getting warmer, but you still need your mask and social distancing. And as always, we thank you for making us a part of your morning. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this timeout. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond here on 987 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. He's a young man who needs no introduction. He's been on the show a number of times. It's good to welcome back Bill Daughtry, said friend of the show, and he has continued to be an exemplary friend of the show. He is Robert Sinclair, a public relations manager over at AAA. Robert, good morning. How are you? Larry, I'm very well. and Good to speak with you, and uh, I'm so happy to be carrying on the legacy that uh, Mr. Daughtry said, and uh, just happy to be with you, as always. I always love when you're around because you have so much information. So we always tell people every time you're on, make sure you grab a pen or paper or, you know, the notepad on your cell or smartphone device, because there's always helpful tips from what's going on around you to help with the simplest things of taking care of your car. Uh, Robert, because since the last time we met, we probably had... I would say where I am about uh, a yard, a couple of yards of snow uh, in the month of February. And so yeah. I know everybody's car is just uh, ready to get out on the road and, you know, start flying. So before we get into a lot of the things that we have to talk about, including uh, April Distracted Driving Awareness Month, why don't you just take us through a quick, let's get your cars ready for the road. Because I know as I went to get gas the other day, the gas prices are going up, so I know that people think we're going to be traveling now that the weather is a little better. Well, yes, indeed. And if your vehicle has been sitting around, as a lot have, as a result of a lot of people working from home, uh, inactivity is as bad for a motor vehicle as it is for the human body. And uh, muscles atrophy in the human body, but on a vehicle, uh, hoses and belts can dry rot, tires can do the same. Um, fluids, all sorts of fluids, um, brake fluid can pick up water. Brake fluid is hydrophilic, meaning it attracts water. Oil can degrade. Transmission fluid can degrade. All these things go bad. The fluid in the uh, differential, if you have front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive, you might have one differential or two, or maybe a differential in a transverse, trans, uh, what do they call it, transfer case. And all those things require fluid. So we are anticipating a very, very busy summer. Vaccinations are taking hold. A hundred odd million people have been vaccinated already. People have been hunkered down for more than a year and they're ready to go. And you realize, maybe may not, that AAA is a travel agency and we are seeing a lot of bookings for people to travel. Number one destination is going to be uh, Disney in Orlando. Mm. Uh, followed by the Caribbean. People want to get on a plane and go to Aruba. And, um, Hawaii is very populous. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, 80 to 85% of summer vacations are taken by motor vehicle. 
So that vehicle has to be ready before you hit the road. So you need to check your tire pressure. Tires lose pressure. They lose a pound per square inch just from normal aspiration, if you will. Uh, if your car was outside during the cold, the cold makes tires lose pressure. And uh, the, the reverse does not happen. When it gets warm, they do not gain pressure. So your tires are more than likely underinflated, which is very dangerous. So that needs to be given attention. But it's really important before you take a trip that you take your vehicle into a technician and they have the, the main things checked out, the battery, the charging system, uh, the biggest calls we the largest number of calls we get at AAA are for flat tires, dead batteries, and people locking themselves out of their vehicles. So certainly those items need to be addressed. But all the fluids, like I mentioned, um, vehicles that sit for a long time, believe it or not, become very popular nesting place for rodents, uh, rats and mice and, and raccoons and everything. So even before you start to drive your car, if it's been sitting a while, you need to open the hood and look under there and make sure you don't have any critters living under the hood. Make sure they haven't chewed through your wires or your belt. Just so much needs to be done. And if you're making local trips in the tri-state region, that doesn't put nearly the strain on your vehicle as does a long trip at sustained high speeds. And so hopefully you don't become a statistic uh, being stuck by the side of the road, which is a very dangerous place. Make sure you have your vehicle checked before you get out and take that long trip so that the vehicle be ready, will be ready, um, and you don't wind up broken down by the side of the road. Side of the road is a very dangerous place. Mm. The number one cause of death for a police officer isn't being shot at or stabbed or killed in a riot or anything. It's being struck by another vehicle when they're making a roadside stop. Um, a tow truck driver is struck and killed by a vehicle roughly every two weeks in the United States. Uh, that's why we have laws called slow down, move over laws. When you see those flashing lights by the side of the road, be it a police officer, a sanitation worker, an ambulance driver, uh, road crews, all 50 states have laws saying that you have to slow well down, well way down below the speed limit. And if it's possible to be done safely, you have to change lanes. And we do not want you to wind up in a situation where you're stuck by the side of the road because of a broken down vehicle, because we don't have flashing lights on our vehicles. We might have hazard lights, but uh, they aren't included in the laws. So, you know, let's do what we have to do before we hit the road this summer, because there are going to be a lot of people doing it so that it can be done safely. One quick thing before we move on, uh, Robert, mm -hmm. is now that a lot of us have these, you know, uh, the push button start cars, so we just have the key fob in our pockets. Uh, what's the what's the smartest way to make sure that you don't walk away from your car and leave it in the car, which is another way of trying to get in your car? <laughs> yes, that's uh, a big problem these days. Probably the biggest thing is to not put it somewhere in the vehicle after you've gotten in the, into the vehicle. But, you know, we have the key fob. In fact, a lot of newer vehicles operate such that you don't even have to hit the button to get into the vehicle. They're, they're proximity sensors. So you've got that key fob in your pocket. You get close to the vehicle. Vehicle opens up. You get in, you push the button, and you're on your way. Start the engine, you're on your way. So uh, leave it in your pocket if it's mm -hmm. that kind of system. Um, taking it out of your pocket, leaving it in the vehicle, is bad for a lot of different reasons. 
and believe it or not, can lead to people being killed. Because what happens, um, particularly with hybrids, and uh, we've seen it happen a lot in warm weather states. I don't know why. But with a hybrid vehicle, if you're driving at slow speeds or on the battery, the engine shuts off. And you pull into your garage, you leave the key fob in your vehicle, and lock, close the garage door, and you're going about your business. Well, the vehicle is still on and running on battery power. If that battery gets low, the engine will start in order to recharge the battery. Now, you've got a running engine spewing carbon monoxide into a closed garage, wow. which, can per- which can permeate the house and kill the occupants. So who knew? that a mm. key fob, leaving the key fob in the vehicle can lead to death. And it's, it's happened, well, if it happens more than once, it's once too many, but it happens a lot in warm weather states, particularly Florida. And there was a sheriff in, I uh, forget what county, but he was distributing stickers that people would put up in their garage, reminding them to shut off their vehicle, particularly those with push-button ignitions and key fobs. So it's, it's just something... You have to pay attention to, there was a, a woman who was on Long Island and went into a store, had her key fob with her, put the key fob on top of the counter and left and drove to Pennsylvania. And oh. she got to Pennsylvania, she had the key fob. She turned, if she turned off her vehicle, she couldn't start it back up. The proprietor of the store, who has to be a prince among men, drove from Long Island with the woman's key fob to Pennsylvania to return it to her. Wow. So it can be inconvenient. It can be dangerous. Um, a lot of things can happen with these new modern ignitions that use key fobs. It's just very important that you have the presence of mind to, to keep it with you. Um, some folks I know might put an extra one on a lanyard around their neck. Uh, you might remember those things that you could put your key in. They're magnetized and hmm. put it up inside the fender, up inside the wheel well. Um, any and everything that you can do to keep that key fob and, and have, remember that you have it is very important. Remember that the, the highest, the third highest number of calls we get uh, are for people locking themselves out of their vehicles. So you know, it's flat tires, dead batteries, and lockouts. So it's very important that uh, we keep the presence of mind and keep that key fob handy. Another one of the negative things that comes about as a result of these Newer vehicles and all the technology that's on them, Larry, and distracted uh, driving is, is part of it, which I guess we can talk about. Mm-hmm, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is well, distracted, but, distracted Driving Awareness Month. Let's do it. Well, indeed, April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And in crunching the numbers, it's, it's a problem that's bad and uh, is getting worse. We looked at the number of fatal crashes involving distracted drivers, and in 2018, it was 2,839, and uh, in 2019, the last year we have data for, it went up to 3,142. That's the total mm-hmm. number of people killed in distracted driving crashes. And it's in, if you look at the uh, tri-state region, New Jersey had 129 people killed in those types of crashes. Uh, New York had 107, and Connecticut had 11. Uh, the lost leader in this category is Texas. They had 338 wow. fatalities mm. in those kind of crashes. Florida mm. was number two with 240. Um, the best state, well, it's not a state, uh, Washington, D.C., had none 
of those types of uh, fatalities, and Rhode Island had one. So it's a big problem. Uh, more numbers, uh, 17% of those uh, killed in those crashes were age 25 to 35. There were 462 pedestrians killed in such crashes and 77 cyclists. And 13% of all fatal crashes involving distracted driving had a confirmed use of a smartphone. So we think of these things. We know that uh, phones can be uh, a great distraction. You see a lot of people using them, holding them. It is against the law to even hold the phone in New York when you're driving. And uh, it's, it's, I'm looking at the list. I'm distracted as I'm speaking to you. <laughs> I'm looking at the list of the, the fatality analysis reporting system of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration mm-hmm. identifies 16 different distractions. They are, in order of the worst to, to not so worse, not so bad, but reaching for a moving object, insect in the vehicle, who knew, looking at an external object, reading, applying makeup, dialing a handheld device, inserting or retrieving the CD, eating, reaching for non-moving objects, talking or listening to a handheld device, drinking from an open container, some other type of hygiene, adjusting the radio, passenger in the adjacent seat, and a passenger in the rear seat, and then a child in the rear seat. So there are lots and lots of ways to distract yourself when you're behind the wheel. And uh, we just hope folks will realize that and take the steps necessary to help prevent these crashes. It's, it's, it's amazing. It, the stats are amazing. That's the voice of Robert Sinclair. He is, of course, a friend of the show, Senior Manager of Public Affairs for AAA Northeast. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. And one of the things, as you, oh, as you're about to give us uh, some suggestions so that we don't become distracted while driving uh the one thing and i'm going to jump your list a little bit but the one thing that really stood out at me was everyone should prevent being intoxicated (laughs) i like that (laughs) yes intoxicated texting behind the wheel uh very very bad Uh, that you don't want to do those sort of things when you are driving and uh you know, we know about driving while intoxicated, and we don't want you to drive while intoxicated. And there is a phenomenon, unless we, we think that simply because we put the device down after using it that we're safe, there is a phenomenon. There's like a hangover effect. Um, some different tests, different studies have shown that after we have a conversation or we use the, uh, the texting function on our phone, that for up to 27 seconds after using smartphones, we have something called inattention blindness, where we could be looking right at a person or an object, and we don't see them. It doesn't register, particularly if that that task that you were involved in, that text or that phone call, was very detailed. So your mind is still on the task that you just completed. You finish the call, you put the phone down, and for about a half minute, you don't register. You don't see things. So 
even if you were parked by the side of the road, you put the phone down, you start driving, and you're going to make a right turn, you might not see that pedestrian that's crossing the street in front of you. So it's very important that we keep these things in mind. Um, when you consider that operating a motor vehicle, you're, you're controlling an extremely heavy object, moving at speed, you have to be aware of lighting conditions, road conditions, pavement conditions. Other vehicles could be feet or even inches away from your vehicle. You have to be conscious of the, the rules of the road, the signs, the traffic lights. Uh, if it's night, it's going to be more challenging. It's darker. It's harder to see. With all these things that are involved in driving, it's very important that we have 100% of our faculties available for the task of controlling the vehicle. Any sort of distraction among the 16 that I went over can be sufficient enough to take your attention from the road to lead to a crash. And it's something that, like I mentioned earlier, the numbers show that the problem is getting worse. And I, I talked about modern vehicles. Newer vehicles have some of the worst features as far as distractions are concerned. Um, on a lot of new vehicles, the, the more expensive and uh, the, the higher-end vehicles, they've got things where you, your texts can be converted to speech, mm -hmm. and the car will vocalize the text for you, and you can respond. Um, you can have your emails vocalized and read to you, and you can respond. Um, you can look at the album art for the musical artist you might be listening to in your sound system. It will be displayed on the screen in front of you. We've got GPS systems that are built into our phones or built into our vehicles that talk to us. Um, all these things are extremely distracting. And as of a couple of years ago, we did a study and found that only about 40% of vehicles will block the use of these functions while you are driving. That means 60% do not. Mm. And for those 60% of vehicles, while you're driving and you're listening to a text or responding to a text, the vehicle manufacturers might try and tell you that they're, they're mitigating all the distractions that come from these technologies and the handheld functions for them, the buttons that you might have to push by having voice-activated technologies. But it's, it's not the pushing of the button that is the main distraction. It is the mental preoccupation with these devices and these functions and these tasks that lead to the greatest distraction. It's not holding the phone. That's the problem. It's <laughs> talking right. on it. Yeah. And the, the mental distraction that comes about from using these technologies. So we just, it's very important we spread the message that when you're behind the wheel, don't do these things, but to put the phone away. Um, and get it out of your sight and don't respond to calls. Uh, some um, smartphones uh, have the capability of being able to, in essence, shut the phone down, shut it uh -huh. off uh, while you're driving. And uh, we recommend that people do it. When you're behind the wheel, you have to concentrate fully on the task at hand and not engage in these distractions. But like you say, it could be your own or someone else's. And I would think, Robert, that these are the type of distractions that lead to a number one. Another topic that we're discussing this morning is 
the fatal wrong way crashes on highways because you're looking down, you're distracted, and before you know it, and then somebody, and, and you're on the phone because you're in the long stretch of highway, Robert. You know, it's like there's nothing for miles. <laughs> you're just driving, and oh, you know what? Let me talk. I'm I might be getting sleepy. I might be bored. Let me get let me talk to somebody. Get and before you know it, you're in the situation where you know something bad has happened. Yeah, wrong way crashes are, are another problem that's bad and getting worse. Um, we looked at uh, wrong way crashes from 2015 to 2018, um, and there were 2,008 wrong way crash deaths on divided highways in those years. That's an average of 500 fatalities a year, and that's up 34% from the 375 per year that we saw from 2010 to 2014. Our area has a particular problem that leads to these crashes. And there have been some noteworthy ones um, on Long Island. And when I hear about the locations, I'm not the least bit surprised. Roadway configuration has something to do with wrong way crashes. And many of the roadways in our area predate modern transportation engineering. Mm. The Southern State Parkway, for example, opened in 1932. That means it was being designed during the late 20s. And vehicles were hard-pressed to hit 50 miles an hour back then. And in fact, the Southern State Parkway follows what was the right-of-way of a pipeline. So the lanes are very narrow. Uh, the road is very hilly. The abutments, the supports for the overpasses, are right next to the lane of travel. And if you were to stray over the, uh, the the lane in the right lanes and the left lanes, you could smack into a, an abutment. In fact, uh, parts of the Southern State Parkway are known as Blood Alley mm. because there are so many crashes and so many fatalities. Um, I think I'm thinking also in the Northern State Parkway, uh, there are many areas where the off ramp is adjacent to the on ramp. Yes, it is. And it's, <laughs> yes. And it's very easy, and if the lighting is poor, as it usually is, if mm. there's insufficient signage, it's very easy for a driver to get onto the off-ramp in error when they thought they were getting onto the on-ramp. So that's a problem. Then we saw that there were three other circumstances uh, that stood out as far as wrong-way crashes were concerned. They were alcohol impairment, old age, and driving without a passenger. 60% of wrong-way crashes involved an alcohol-impaired driver. No mm -hmm. surprise there. Nope. You know, you're drunk, you don't have your faculties together, it's easy to make a mistake. Um, a lot of the crashes don't have the exact percentage, um, but many older drivers, 75 to 79, uh, were involved in wrong-way crashes. And if you're driving alone, you're more likely to be in a wrong-way crash because you don't have that passenger there to sort of save, serve as a, a safety valve to warn you that you might be doing something wrong. 87% uh, of wrong-way drivers were driving alone. So keeping those three in mind, and, and you know what? Something else that came out, it seems that the, the majority of wrong-way crashes involve people who are driving vehicles that are more than 10 years old. We haven't figured that one out, why mm. that's the case. Yeah. But it is. So drunk, old, older, and driving solo are the three uh, main factors that lead to a wrong-way crash. 
Uh, so we, we, again, our area, because of uh, how poorly engineered roads, um, that worsens the problem. So we want folks to keep that in mind. Uh, we have uh, issued a call to uh, state municipal governments to do all they can to prevent roadway crashes by increasing the signage that you see. Uh, that you know those wrong way go back signs, uh, increasing the lighting at the uh, entrances and uh, exits on highways, particularly where they might be right next to each other. Um, and drivers just have to to be aware. It can be, and again, I'm thinking about travel increasing this this summer. You drive mm-hmm. out to a place that you're unfamiliar with, um, and that can lead to problems. You know, roadway that you haven't traversed before. Uh, can create problems. I, and, and, and if I, I digress here a little bit, uh, we find that that's a big problem with uh, vehicles getting stuck in flooded roads. Sure. That somebody yeah. might be driving at night and it might be raining and they see some uh, water on the road and, oh, they think it's not that deep. They go to drive through it and it's uh, a river that has uh, uh, crested its, its banks and uh, people get swept away. Again, driving on unfamiliar roadways. So, Especially as the summer vacation season approaches, we're supposed to keep these things in mind when they're out on the road. So, Robert, you're telling me that maybe the folks in Jersey with the jug handles might be onto something, huh? Because you, you're not going to go on the road, the wrong side of the road, because you got to go, you got to go right to go left. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Those, I never understood those jug handles and the fact that they are actually they're safer. Yeah, uh, because making a left turn is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Making a left turn across incoming vehicles, uh, it can be very difficult for. Mm-hmm. Once we hit thirty, thirty-five, our eyesight starts to start to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty, the cognitive uh, functions of the brain start to deteriorate. And when you're making a left turn, it can be very difficult to determine the oncoming speed of the vehicle. And if somebody is speeding, going much faster than uh, they should be going. On a particular roadway, that can cause a problem. Those jug handles take care of that. Who knew that they Who were knew? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I thought they were just, I was like, what are they doing? Why am I going right to go left? But it turns out to be a smart way. Yeah, exactly. It does. Yeah, it really is. And you consider that some of the roads that those jug handles are on are, I forget the engineering term, they're like one step below a highway. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Route 4 in New Jersey or That's Route right. 17 in New That's Jersey. That's right. They've got, the, uh, they've got the concrete divider, mm-hmm. right? But you still have entrances and uh, exits and lots of, of stores alongside the roadway. And uh, in many cases, it would be nigh impossible to make uh, left turns on some of those roadways. Um, and so they've, they've taken care of that with the jug handle. Yeah, they did. Robert Sinclair, Senior Manager of Public Affairs, AAA Northeast, is my guest. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Tired of potholes, bent rims, flat tires, issues with your vehicle? Well, help could be on the way with a big-time, big-money infrastructure bill. Robert Sinclair and I will discuss next on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my chat with Robert Sinclair of AAA Northeast. This is intriguing for me, and of course we're waiting to see what the governor is going to do. We understand that, you know, it's been passed by the state senate and assembly. Robert, a lot of talk about infrastructure, and I know that our folks, yeah. as we've been traveling with the 
hard winter that we talked about, especially the month of February, there's a lot of road repair that we're going to see, which is going to further infuriate our travel <laughs> during this during this summer because, you know, we're thinking, listen, while we were off the roads, could you have fixed some roads and potholes while we weren't going? No, they're going to wait mm-hmm. until we're back. But can you just give us a, a quick overview of what kind of uh, funding and what types of infrastructure could be repaired that's going to help also help our cars from, you know, differential issues and <laughs> flat tires and bent rims and, and all the assorted things. All those things. Well, we are in prime pothole season right now. March <laughs> and April are pothole season after the hard winter. And, and like you said, oh, how did you describe? We had a couple of yards. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it's, it's the moisture, it's the freeze-thaw cycles, and we had a lot of that. We had days where it was below freezing and above freezing and below freezing. That's the prime formula for the creation of potholes because what happens is the moisture, the water gets down into those cracks and fissures that are in the roadway. Then it freezes, and if you remember from having ice cubes in your freezer, you, know, you put the, the, the water in at a certain level, but when it comes out as an ice cube, it is actually risen. It gets bigger. So that ice in those cracks and fissures expands when it freezes and it opens up those roadways. It opens up those cracks and fissures and they become bigger. Then you get the action of a lot of vehicles, particularly heavy trucks, over those cracks and fissures that have been expanded by uh, ice. And slowly but surely, they become potholes and again our area is more susceptible to it because we have an inordinate number of trucks on our roadway because we lack mm, certain key piece of infrastructure namely a rail freight tunnel from new jersey under manhattan into brooklyn or queens so most cities probably get 50 percent of their freight by rail and 50 percent by truck new york city long island connecticut particularly New York City and Long Island, we get 96% of our freight by truck. Mm. Trucks are not supposed to weigh more than 88,000 pounds, but a whole lot of them weigh 100,000 pounds or more. So you've got that weight that's beating on the roadways. We did a study probably 25 years ago, found that one truck does the damage of 20,000 cars. Mm. One truck. And we have a lot. So, you get the freeze-thaw cycle opening up those fissures. You get the action of the trucks going over the roadways, beats them, creates the potholes. And, of course, we get the freeze-thaw cycle during the winter. March and April would come out of it, and that's when all the damage is um, able to be seen. You know, we start getting very bad parts on our roadway. I've, I've lived in Queens and drive past. LaGuardia Airport on a regular basis, and there were sections of the roadway next to the airport that they, they weren't potholes, Larry. It was just eaten away. It was just craters. up. And They're craters. Craters, yeah. <laughs> people driving through it, and they're kicking up dust and dirt, and people are moving along at the speed limit plus, and they have to slow way down. Uh, to its credit, the city has uh, done some resurfacing over there. They call it engineered resurfacing. The machine comes along and scrapes off the top part of the roadway and then they come and lay asphalt over the top and they were uh they were doing that on grand central last week and i think they should be just about done now i know that roadway because i drive it regularly but i'm sure 
real listeners know lots of other roadways around our area that are suffering from that sort of problem. So as part of the new budget that has been passed by the Senate and uh, the Assembly, as you mentioned, uh, as we speak, not yet signed by the governor, but we're sure he's going to sign it, there is a record amount of funding for road and bridge repair for New York State. $6.1 billion, that's billion with a B, is allocated in the 2021-2022 budget for road and bridge repair. Consider that according to the New York State Department of Transportation, from 2019 data, 46% of state roads are in fair or poor condition. Mm. There's an organization called TRIP, the Road Improvement Program in Washington, D.C., that studies infrastructure across the country. And they say that in New York State, there's an extra $24 billion in additional vehicle operating costs and repair, losses because people are stuck in traffic because of bad roads, and crashes, um, injuries, um, and lost time and medical payments that are a result of the bad roads. So $24 billion per year um, in additional costs because of bad infrastructure. Um, the, the Federal Highway Administration a year or two ago issued a report about what they call functionally obsolete and structurally deficient bridges. Functionally obsolete means that the bridge is handling more traffic than it was designed to, and structurally deficient means that there's been one piece, maybe more, within that bridge that needs serious attention. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fall down, but it means that it needs attention. And by bridges, we don't necessarily mean these big grand structures like the Triborough Bridge or the Brooklyn Bridge or the Baronzano Narrows Bridge. You're driving on a highway, you're going over an overpass, probably scores, dozens, hundreds of them in a long highway trip. Those are considered bridges. And some of them are extremely poor, in extremely poor condition. Uh, I remember one collapse, the Steinway Steep Street overpass on the Grand Central Parkway. Mm. Ooh, I think it was back yeah. in the early 2000s that it collapsed. And a, a chunk of it fell on a, on a gentleman who was driving and was just inches from striking him. So that's what we're talking about. And the, that federal report that I mentioned said if you lined up the functionally obsolete and structurally deficient bridges end-to-end, they would stretch from New York to nearly Miami. So thousands of miles of bad bridges in our country. So to its credit, uh, the state legislature, particularly in the person of Transportation Committee Chairman Senator Timothy Kennedy of Buffalo, and the uh, Transportation Committee uh, in the Assembly Committee Chairman William Magnarelli of Syracuse and others uh, had the budget with lots and lots of money for bridge repair, bridge and road repair. There's going to be a record $538 million in aid to localities for, uh, for street and bridge repair. Uh, the state has a program called the Consolidated Local Street and Pavement Improvement Program. Uh, that had not been increased in nearly seven years. That's going to be uh, increased. And there's uh, $100 million for local uh, road improvement in a program that's called the Extreme Winter Recovery Funds Initiative. That's, in essence, the fixed potholes. And there's going to be another new $100 million for a program called the City Touring Roads Program. That's going to provide assistance to cities, towns, and villages to fix 
the roads, the state roads that might run through their communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, those state roads are the, uh, the like, uh, 25, like mm-hmm. um, Sunrise Highway on Long Island. Um, that is the state road. And so money will be available uh, for those municipalities to take care of these roads. It's a, a major, major investment in the state. And, you know, we've been listening to the Biden administration talking about uh, $2 trillion for infrastructure that would include not only roads and bridges, but things like high-speed Internet and uh, uh, housing and that sort of thing. So we're looking forward to that. But New York State is not waiting. No, and good. part of this new budget, yeah, we've got this six. Point one billion dollars in capital investments for road and bridge improvement. So, you know, it's 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 great. It's a good thing. We should see some improvement in uh, our roads and bridges. In fact, that that uh, organization I mentioned, uh, Trip, the Road Improvement Program, the numbers have constantly gone, gone higher. Um, they had been estimating that it's around seven hundred fifty dollars a year additional that the average driver has to spend to fix their vehicle, to repair damage caused by roads. Generally, we're talking about flat tires and damaged wheels and damaged suspension systems and steering systems. Um, In some cases, it's as much as $3,000 per vehicle uh, per year in additional costs uh, from the bad roads. So there's, there's a high price to be paid. And uh, there's a gentleman out on Long Island I know who runs a tire shop, and he's always busy. Somebody's <laughs> always coming into his shop with burst tires, you know, damaged wheels and rims. And, you know, he's just doing a land office business because of the bad roads in our area. And additionally, you know, our area, we, we, have, uh, we have a good cross-section of, of vehicles. You go in many cities around the country, you don't see near like the number of foreign vehicles that we see in our area. And a lot of these foreign vehicles will feature uh, low profile tires, which are great for handling and, and high speed, but they don't do well uh, bouncing through potholes. Mm-mm. And so uh, just as a result of the just sort of diversity, if you will, in the type of vehicles that we have in our area, uh, a lot of them become a lot more subject to the damage that is uh, caused by the roads. Um, Some foreign vehicles featured lightweight wheels made of exotic materials, magnesium or aluminum or something like that. And again, I was talking with another tire shop owner, and man had a high-end vehicle, and he took it into the shop, and this thing just doesn't drive as well as it used to. They put it up on the lift and spin the tires, and, and the wheels are not round anymore because they've been beat up by the roads. So it's just uh, manifested in a lot of different ways, uh, the bad roads that we have. So we're real happy. We commend the state legislature, the governor, and uh, all involved for coming up with this funding to fix our roads and bridges. We Robert Sinclair, need it. I got a little over a minute left, but I want you to quickly okay. acknowledge the school safety patrol celebrating their centennial this year. School Safety Patrol, uh, 100 years and counting, started by AAA, uh, uses students to help guide uh, their fellow students to and from school, uh, particularly in the afternoons. Uh, kids arrive to school in dribs and dread, but that bell rings in the afternoon. They all leave en masse, and as a result, it can be very, very dangerous. Um, 
There are something, there's something called a lifesaver, and we honor those school safety patrol members that have actually gone and, and saved a life. And it's happened a lot. And you would be surprised at the number of prominent people in this country that were school safety patrollers in uh, elementary and junior high school. And uh, they, they credit, many of them, credit being school safety patrollers for giving them that sense of added responsibility, uh, being out there to uh, help their fellow students. Uh, President Clinton, President Biden, many astronauts um, were school safety patrollers, judges, Supreme Court justices, uh, district judges, a lot of prominent people were school safety patrollers. And uh, we're calling attention to the fact that this program, it's, uh, it's 100th anniversary. We've been doing it for a while at AAA, and we want to keep it going and want people to be aware of it, and uh, particularly when they're driving around schools in the afternoon to exercise extra safety so that uh, we can protect our children as they're going uh, to school, but especially from school in the afternoons. Robert Sinclair, always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Keep up the great work for you, and uh, say hello to our, our friends and your colleagues over at AAA who save us on the roads and help us plan vacations and all the great stuff that you do. And thank you so much. It's always been a pleasure being with you, Larry, and just uh, everyone. You know, don't drink and drive. Obey the speed limits and wear your seatbelts, and we can all be safer out on the roads. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Well, that concludes this edition of New York Sports and Beyond. I'm Larry Hardesty. We thank you for listening. We'll join you this evening during the week on ESPN New York Tonight with Gordon Damer and right back here next Sunday morning for New York Sports and Beyond. For my incredibly talented all-world producer, the legendary Ray Primetime Santiago, and the coach, Anthony Pusick, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right here, right now on 98.7 ESPN New York.